Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast. This show is all about art, craft, and creativity, and I produce it weekly in the hope that it will help all of us live long and crafty lives. Welcome to another episode of Craft Sanity. It's great to be back this week. My guest for this episode is Nancy Puffer. She is a 49-year-old lamp worker living in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I met Nancy at Convergence, the international weaving convention that was here in Grand Rapids. She had a lovely booth with tons of glass beads that she was selling. We got to chatting, and I told her about my show and that you know I was really interested in kind of learning how glass beads are made. Eventually we were able to coordinate our schedules and I actually got to go and see for myself how glass beads are made. And I was very excited about this because, well, it's one of those art projects I just haven't tried. Nancy is a great example of a person who just kind of stumbles upon an art form that they absolutely fall in love with. You know, it's really kind of amazing when you consider that not long ago she had no idea how to operate one of these torches or do all these fancy techniques that now she executes rather effortlessly. Today what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with an interview that I did where I called her up and recorded um, over the phone the first portion of the interview because I knew I was going to get really distracted once <laughs> I was, you know, got to see everything that goes into bead making. So I want to make sure I actually had something I could use in case I was, you know, just overwhelmed by the glass and the flame and the, all these things. So we're going to start out with some information about Nancy and her story, how she got into this, how she became a lamp worker, and then we're going to go to her studio. You're going to hear how my first attempt at bead making goes. And uh, obviously I'm talking to you now, so I lived to tell about the experience. I'm used to working with yarn and fabric <laughs> primarily, <laughs> so... I was really had some concerns about, oh, setting her home on fire. Thank goodness that didn't happen. And Nancy and I are still on speaking terms. <laughs> oh, goodness. I was really worried. But anyway, more on that later. So let's get to this interview with Nancy. Can you tell me how you got into this? How I got into it was <laughs> it started innocently enough with a friend who about five years ago, well, almost six years, I guess now, ago, um, came home with a, a memory wire bracelet from the farmer's market and was all excited about it. And um, at that point, we'd never seen anything like it. And she called me and said, we've got to figure out how to make these. These are really cool. I think we could do it. And and so we went armed with that down to Little Bohemia and picked out our first beads and really spent time for the first time in a bead store and came home and made our bracelets and our friends liked them. And so we showed them how to make it. And she still is a full-time attorney. And I was home. So I had the time to play, and I did. And along the way, my, my friends thought I did such a good job of showing them how to do it that I had to expand. And so I started doing some home parties, teaching other people how to make bracelets. And once I figured out how to do bracelets, then I started making earrings and kind of taught myself along the way. And so I started doing home parties called Be Togethers. Be Togethers, I love that. <laughs> so I did that for quite a while, but I'm not really good at bugging people about doing parties, and so I needed to figure out another outlet, and community ed classes popped into my head, and nobody was teaching any kind of jewelry-making classes, and so I started with Eastern Rapids, and at one point was in seven different communities. Wow. Teaching. And another friend of mine, along this journey and path of mine, 
knew that I was making jewelry, and she had discovered lampwork beads. If she was doing some jewelry, she was dabbling in jewelry, too, and she introduced me to lampwork beads. And at that point, I had seen so many beads that lampwork were just so cool. They were different than the rest of the beads that I'd seen, mm-hmm. and I wanted to be able to offer them in my classes. But I knew that buying them from auctions online and through stores were a lot more expensive, and for me to be able to offer them to people in my classes, it just seemed kind of exorbitant. So... Actually, Laura Allen over at Strung Out Beast Store um, was offering a lamp working class, and so I took my first lamp working class on a hothead, which is a single fuel torch. And it's called a hothead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's called a hothead, and um, and I was hooked. Uh, I just fell in love with um, the movement of the glass and being able to combine different colors and find out what colors worked well together and what colors didn't work well together. And, and it became my other passion. So so how long was this whole progression? Like how many, are we talking about weeks, years? Probably from the time I started making jewelry to the time I first learned about Lambert. I was I, about a year, probably about a little over a year when I took the class. So, um, and, I've, and I'll be coming up on six years um, in February that I started making jewelry. So... Hard to believe it's been that long. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I saw some of your work when I saw you at Convergence, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> I was really impressed. And oh, thank you. It's really, um, I mean, I have always admired the be- the beads that I see, you know, people who do lamp. And lamp work to me is kind of a foreign term because I always call them, I, I just call it glass beads. Yeah. But but um, I'm going to have to get a little more. Uh, I'll be educated tomorrow. There you, you go. Know, tomorrow will be um, lamp work 101. Yeah, that's And exactly. I'm going to try really hard not to hurt, hurt myself, and um, I don't want to also, I also want to make sure I don't burn your house down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I, didn't, I have a studio that used to be our pool house. Oh. Like, don't burn my house down. <laughs> okay, well, uh, well, I don't want to burn your pool house down either. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do that. Whatever happened to your attorney friend that kind of got you into this? She still dabbles from time to time. Did you bring her into the lamp work? No, she doesn't make the beads. She uses my beads. Oh, I see. So she's a customer. Yeah, she's my customer. <laughs> well, actually, my friends are... Benefactors. Know, my best, yeah. Benefactors, <laughs> right? Best salespeople, and so I tend to give them my stuff because then they just... They can wear it around town. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there's something to be said by that. It's the best kind of advertising. That's you know, right. To have someone say, oh, where'd you get that? Oh, well, my friend. Yeah, exactly. I'll give you her card. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So. Well, that's great. And had you ever done any kind of art or crafts before? Yeah, I was always kind of crafty. How so? Um, well, back in college, I crocheting was kind of a big thing, and so I would crochet afghans and, and different things. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then I kind of went into counted cross-stitch. Did a lot of kind of cross-stitch kind of stuff. And then there was probably, I don't know, 15 years ago or so, people were doing painted sweatshirts, and I would do those. Kind of, it's just kind of different things along the way. Things would kind of pique my interest, and I would play around with it for a little bit. But this is really my passion. Mm-hmm. It's like I finally figured out what I wanted to do when I grow up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually part of my artist statement, is that I finally figured out in my 40s what I what it was I was supposed to be doing all along. Yeah, and it sounds like you always knew there's probably some kind of creative outlet you were searching for. Yeah. There was always some kind of creative outlet. It was interesting. Last year was my 30th high school reunion, and I met up with friends I haven't seen for probably close to 30 years. And so many of them said that they had taken art classes in high school, and I never did. But I'm the one now (laughs) that is the artist. Isn't that interesting? I never took any art classes in high school either, and I, I don't know why I didn't. I, I mean, I'm like, why didn't I do that? That would have been so fun because I am so into art now. Yeah, well, I think when I thought of art back then, it was 
painting and drawing and sketching, and I know that I, that's not something that I do well. You know? Yeah, you're right. So, High school curriculum, I know in yeah. my school, too, it was the same thing. Like, you'd go past the art class, and everyone was always bent over a sketch pad. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I'd fail that. Uh, um, exactly. <laughs> I mean, do I really want to hurt my GPA, to because I can't sketch a cylinder, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I can't do any of that either. So I think that's probably why I didn't do art classes back then, but, you know, things evolved. That's certainly been the path that I've been on. It's just been evolving as I go. And did you know right away when you made your first beat? And why don't you tell me what that experience oh, was God, like? no. <laughs> Wait till you see your first beat. <laughs> this is one thing. I specialize in, like, yarn and fabric and, uh-huh. and, and you know, like, something involving needles, you know, like, uh-huh. where you can stitch something. This, to me, seems like it's going to be really giving up a lot of control to the fire. Yeah, It really does take a while to learn what it does and to get and it's not like some some things like once you know how to paint something you can paint right with glass if you make these for a while and then you stop it really takes a while to get back into the groove of being able to make the beads round or make the beads the shapes that you want them to be you need to be consistent with it and be able to keep working at it in order to improve well of course you know when you're making a bracelet and you want to have uniform like yeah. beads uniform size I think probably my first few beads are going to be what I would consider novelty like I spin yarn and uh-huh. I really haven't moved beyond the whole nov- novelty yarn phase where <laughs> your yarn has like a bunch of flubs and it's not uniform consistency at all mm-hmm. I actually enjoy using that kind of stuff in my projects which well, is a good thing more interesting. Yeah. yeah but with a necklace so you can't have like well, you'd be surprised. You know. Actually, some of the stuff that I do, I try. I don't always like to make everything look exactly the same. And so I do some beach glass beads that look like beach glass, but I just push the glass around and push it and, and um, then put it in some acid and etch them, and they look like beach glass. Oh, awesome. So, so there are tricks you can do <laughs> when you're first starting <laughs> out that you can... You make something look decent, even if it's not what you wanted it to be. Yeah, and then you just use that phrase, the old standby, I meant to do that. Exactly. My artist statement for my first few beads is going to be, I meant to do that. That's right. (laughs) Except if I burn myself or burn something down. No, you have to be very aware when you're working with a flame because it is very high. Oh, yeah. It's 1,700 degrees. So you tend to be real hyper aware for a long time. So I doubt that you're going to burn yourself. Because so you've never like fallen asleep at the flame, you know? <laughs> no. <laughs> the one thing that was kind of intimidating for me was when I switched type of torch that I had. I started with a hothead, which is very loud. It kind of makes a very loud hissing sound. And so you knew that the torch was on. And when I switched to the newer torch that I have, it's very quiet. And so I was freaking for a while that I'd forget that it was on because I didn't hear it. But, oh, um, yeah. It's on the forefront of your brain. So you have, have you burned yourself? I've, I've got a couple of burns, not like most people. Most lamp workers have gars all over the place. Because really? Because glass will pop, or you get so into the bead that you forget that the rod is getting too small, and your fingers are getting too close to the flame, or you go to reap or something and forget how far out the heat goes. Oh, goodness. Yeah, there's all kinds of ways you can burn yourself. And, the, and the, actually, the one time that I burned my fingers pretty badly was not even with my torch. After you make your beads, to strengthen them. You want to put the properties back glass that you screwed up by melting it. Oh, yeah. So kind of restore it, it. Exactly. You put it into a kiln and you anneal the beads. And um, I actually burnt myself by one of my mandrels that you make your beads on had slid into the kiln and I had used something else to pull it out. And then my daughter came up to me and distracted me and I wasn't thinking and I grabbed that mandrel. And, oh, no. And burned <laughs> 
and burned the heck out of my finger. Oh, no. So you just have to be really aware of what you're doing. But you'll be fine. Yeah, no, I'm sure I'll be fine. I'm just, it's just, it's just one of those things where it's so foreign to what yeah. I'm used to. But I think that it's really good to, to go outside your comfort zone. Yeah. In the arts and try things, you know, that's really fun. And it sounds like you've done that yourself. Yep, exactly. And you'll find you'll be able to bring things to it, you know, from the other art that you learn that will somehow come into play when you're making a piece or when you're doing something other than what you originally learned. Kind of all blends in at some point. How long do you think it took you before you felt like you really had a handle on how to work with the torch and, and get the beads to look good? <laughs> uh, last year, maybe. Really? I, you know, you're always learning with glass, especially if you want to kind of push the envelope and keep developing. You can learn how to make a round bead, you know, and get to where you can do that fairly decently probably in a couple of months or maybe a year, but to, to really master some of the techniques and to be able to do some of the really amazing things that, that some of the glass artists can do, it takes forever. I mean, people are still learning. I've been doing it for almost what, four and a half, five years, and I'm nowhere near finished learning. There's always Yeah, well, we never should stop learning. Exactly. I mean, is this an expensive thing to get into? How costly is this? It's not the cheapest thing to get into. It's not, you have to... Buy a torch. The hotheads aren't too bad. You can get a torch, the hothead torches, for probably 50 or $60. But then you have to get the fuel that you use for it, and you have to get the mandrels, and you have to, which are the, the rods that you build your glass beads on. And those are all reusable, right? Yeah, you can yeah. reuse those. But then you have to buy the glass, and there are tools that you need. So there, it can become kind of an expensive, it's more expensive than you think it's going to be. You know, you well, think I think every craft is. Yeah. Every art and craft uh, seems to be. <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably right. So we talk ourselves, and that's how we talk ourselves into it. I think, well, you know, I'll never have to buy more beads, really. That's but then right. we do anyway because we like somebody else's beads. <laughs> exactly. So it's all about delusions. It, it is. <laughs> well, and, yeah, exactly. I've got millions of beads probably because in my jewelry I, I mix a lot of different textures and different types of beads and with my with my own beads and I will never use up what I have but I always have to buy more because it seems like I don't have exactly what I need right. <laughs> for whatever the vision is in my head. You did not have any kind of point in your life where you're like you know I'm going to be an artist someday. No but you know somewhere along the way one of the galleries that I, my jewelry used to be in it's not there anymore but they uh they said you know we only feature Michigan artists and I thought oh, she's talking about me. <laughs> It must mean I'm an artist, too, so yeah. it's still kind of a new thing rolling around in my head, but it's fun. I enjoy it. Well, I think it's a great label. I mean, yeah. that's really, really cool, and, and I think it's especially interesting when people never set out to really be an artist, and right. suddenly they're an artist, and yep. you said you went to college. What did you do? What did you study? I studied communications. Communications, okay. <laughs> All right. Never took it. Well, that's not true. I took one art class in college. I had okay. to do for my, it was a, a Bachelor of Arts, so I had to do all different kinds of things. And then, so what happened after college? I was supposed to get a job at a travel agency that I had been doing an internship for, and it was in 1979, and the first energy crunch hit, and they, I came back from a trip I took after graduation, and they had laid off like six travel agents, and they couldn't hire me on. So, oh, my goodness. So I was without a job for a while, and I ended up falling into a job at a bank, and so I worked in a bank up until the time I quit when I had our first kid. You, how many children do you have now? We have two. Two kids, and how old are you? How old Jordan are you? just turned 19, and our daughter, Brenna, is 12. Wow. Well, was it surprising to you that you loved making, you know, doing the lamp work this yeah, much? Because I, well, I just, I, you know, it, it, it's, 
pretty specialized, you know, and it's not something that a lot of people know about unless, you know, you're interested in jewelry and, and, and some people collect glass and marbles or in, in the hotter glass kind of stuff. You just really don't even know what lampworking is. So a little bit surprised because I didn't even know that there was, that it even existed. So once I got started in it, I'm not so surprised. I, I, I have a good sense of, of color and I do well with the different colors of glass and mixing them and finding colors that, that go well together. So I, I'm learning that, yeah, maybe I really am an artist. <laughs> yeah, well, I th- that's that's just great. Sometimes it takes longer than we want it to mm-hmm. to figure out what, we want, what we're supposed to be doing. But, exactly. but when we find out, it's just so wonderful. Yeah, and... it is. It's, it's pretty fun because I think some people never figure it out. So I'm pretty lucky that I figured it out as early as I did. Yeah, well, and I think, too, also I think a lot of people – stop looking too at some point and they think well you know I'm just going to keep doing this job I don't want to you know and people know what they don't like mm-hmm. I think it's really easier to decide what you don't like yeah. um, and they just resign themselves yeah. and be like okay this is I guess this is as good as it gets and yeah, well, um, because sometimes I think it can be a, like a needle in a haystack it's hard sometimes to figure out exactly what your passion is you right know, until you're exposed to it well and you have to really try things and yeah. so do you how different would your life be right now do you think if your friend had not come home from the farmer's market with that, it was it a bracelet? It so completely different. Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's opened up a whole new world to me. Uh, some of my best friends I would not have known. Some of the things that I do, I wouldn't be doing. You know, I, the, the bead expo coming up, I never would have. I'm amazed. We had a 1,000 people come through our show last year in our second year, and that type of thing wouldn't be happening. And uh, I host a, a, a retreat for lamp workers at our friend's cabin up in Big Rapids once a year, and we had almost 50 people there from all over the country that come just so that they can play with other lamp workers. So are you guys all making beads at the yeah. retreat? Oh yeah. my gosh, how fun is that? Yeah, you'll have to come. Wow, well yeah, and then I'll be the one burning down the cabin, you know. Oh, They're like, oh no, yeah, turn yeah, off the... No, 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 no. We take a lot of... Pre- We're really careful. You have to be. You have to be so careful, but... But you could come and learn so much. There's such a variety of people that come. People will do demonstrations of, you know, if they're known for a certain type of bead, they share how they make it. Every year it's different. It's what anybody that comes offers to teach us. That's what we do. So we've done some chain mail workshops, which is connecting different silver circle links and making them into chains or bracelets or necklaces. So like jump rings? Is that what you're Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And different kinds of jewelry stringing and wire wrapping. And so we do different things that are kind of related to it that people might not know how to do. So, and we just hang out for a weekend and it's just amazingly fun. We set up probably eight to ten torches. And so not everybody can torch at the same time, but people kind of ebb and flow through the place and do different things. And you said there are people from all over the country? Yeah. So how did you start, how did you start doing this? Um, the, the cabin retreat started out... There are a couple of different online forums. One that started the whole thing, there's a it's called Wet Canvas. Okay. And um, it's actually an artist forum. We realized after we'd been on for a while that there were um, quite a few people in Michigan that do it. It seems like there tends to be different enclaves of lamp workers. And I don't know whether it's because somebody started and then somebody else saw it and you know, that particular area gets soaked in them or not. Mm-hmm. But um, there was quite a few in Michigan and I thought it would be fun for us all to meet up. And so first uh, meeting, we just had probably 10 or 12 of us from all over West Michigan that got together for a lunch. And that kind of turned into something that we do every month or two. And it 
It can be anywhere from 10 to 25, 30 of us that could be there. And then my friends built this cabin, and it's basically like a lodge. It's very large, and I thought it would be fun for us to spend a weekend together and maybe not do anything, any make any bees or anything, but just be able to get to know each other and hang out. So I asked if anybody was interested in it, and the first one uh, was about four years ago, and there were people from 12 states wow. <laughs> that came in. Yeah. How fun. So, no, I had no idea four years, and I don't know what I would be doing if I wasn't. You know, I don't know what I would be doing if I wasn't doing what I'm doing now, mm-hmm. <laughs> because I love it so much. And, and you didn't leave a job to pursue this? No, were I you, was an at-home mom. Okay, um, okay. I, well, that's I, a job. That's a well, job, yeah, but, exactly. but yeah. But no, I didn't. I didn't with a full-time pain job. Yeah. <laughs> it, just the one that's like a 24-7 non-paying job. Exactly. Well, you're, you're paid in love and, you know, just that's the right. love of your family, right? That's right. <laughs> oh, and also, you know, that made it a little bit easier for me to be able to do what I do. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I, I had the time to just squeeze it in whenever I could. Right, right. Yeah, I think my boss would probably notice if I fired up a torch at my desk and yeah, made a bean. <laughs> it probably wouldn't surprise them too much. Because <laughs> I always have some kind of project rolling out of my bag. Um, but, yeah, that's that's funny. For the Beat Expo, when did you start the Beat Expo here in Grand Rapids? Um, this year will be our third year in October. So it was 2004, I guess, was our first one. It started because... Uh, the, 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 the idea came to me because a friend who do one up in Travis um, City. It's called Fire and Ice Beach Show. And they've actually been doing it. They're our sister show. They've been doing it a couple years longer than we have. Um, there's another quite a active group of lamp workers there. And they started a show, um, just a small one, the first year. In, um, it was just in a, um, like a hotel conference room. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and when I, I went up to help with it, because I had just started making beads, and I didn't know anything about actually selling my beads, and I wasn't sure they were good enough to sell anyway. So I went up and kind of was their gopher. And as I w- watched it, I thought, you know, this is something that could probably really go over well in Grand Rapids, farther downstate, and we can pull people from, you know, farther south and maybe even into Illinois, Indiana, and Ohio. Mm-hmm. So um, that's where the, the, the idea started in my head, but I knew that it was something that I couldn't do by myself. So um, so I just kind of let it lie for a while, and then through this group of friends that I met, um, basically online on Wet Canvas, I met um, my co-chair, um, Robin Mamo, and uh, the next year I didn't have a booth, and I had her come up and her son, who also makes these, um, had them come up and share a booth with me and and told her to look at that and see whether that wasn't something that we could do. And after that show, she, she said, yeah, I think we could. And so we started um, making the plans for our first show. And, and so what uh, did you do to go about that Well, in setting up a show? We... <laughs> There's all kinds of stuff involved. There was stuff we didn't even know was involved <laughs> involved in getting. That's it. probably why she thought, yeah, we can do this, you know, yeah. because you don't know what you're going to have to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we work well together. She's a very detail-oriented person, and I'm a very outgoing person, and so I, I tend to get the publicity and the and she teaches full time. So once uh, September rolls around, she's a lot busier, and with me again being at home, I'm able to pick up the stuff that needs to be done last minute before the show, mm-hmm. and. Um, so we knew we wanted to do it in the fall because the show in Traverse City, the Fire and Ice show, is in 
usually in April. And so we didn't want it to be competing with them, and we kind of wanted to complement it. And we thought fall would be a good time with all the holidays coming and people wanting to buy things to make for their shows or for their gifts or whatever. So um, the first thing we had to do was find a place to have it. And um, DeVos had just opened, uh, DeVos, or DeVos Place had just opened, and I had heard something on the news at some point about it not being a money maker. It was more to bring in, um, bring in people so that that all the businesses around profited. So as we were calling around and checking places, I thought, well, nothing ventured, nothing gained. I'll call them and see how much it would cost to be able to have it there because we couldn't think of any place better and easy for people to find. So. Mm-hmm. So called and realized that it was possible that we would be able to do it. So we started out small. We had it there, and it was about, there's, um, we have six rooms. I can't remember how many square feet it is now, but um, we started out with just three rooms, and we had uh, like 30-some um, artists and bead stores. And we had almost 800 people through the first year. And wow. It's just amazing. <laughs> we knew there were a lot of people that were interested in beads, but we just, had no idea how many. And so then last year we had over a thousand and we were just beyond tickled. So we're hoping for another really good year this year. We have 56 booths and not quite that many vendors. Was it scary when you did the first? Oh, the yeah. first one? Because you're like, okay, <laughs> hopefully we're not going to totally lose money on this. But Exactly, because you don't know how many people will come. You can put out all the publicity, but until the doors open, you just don't know exactly whether you've got a good thing going or not. So did you break even, or you did better than that, it sounds like? Yeah, we did better than that. So the third annual expo is coming up on? October 14th from 10 until 5. And it's uh, $3 at the door, and it sounds like it'll be lots of fun. It should be a lot of fun. We've had a great time every year, and we're hoping to have even more fun this year. Well, I'm definitely going to go. I think it's going to be really fun. Well, you better. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think as long as I don't burn down the, the, the pool house tomorrow, I'll be welcome, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, that's true. Okay, so we'll wait until after tomorrow morning. Okay, so now that you've heard the story of how Nancy got involved in lamp work, it's time to go visit her studio. So this torch is called a miner. And it, it uses a combination of oxygen and propane. And it melts glass at about 1,700 or so degrees. So You said 1,700? 1,700. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's, boy, this first. So there are different types of torches, but most of them either run on something called map gas. Um, that's when you use the hothead. Okay. <laughs> and that's when you use the hothead. It's just a single fuel one, and it doesn't. It's it doesn't melt as it's not as hot a flame. So when you when you switch it to oxygen and propane, you can get a much hotter flame. Because and I'm not exactly sure all the technical parts of that, but that's one of the reasons I switched because I was getting to the point where. The glass wasn't melting fast enough for me. It was a great beginning torch because it's not as hot and, and so you don't lose control of the glass as quickly. Mm-hmm. But when you get finally to the point that you're pretty confident with the glass, then it just, there are some people that are that stay on hot heads and never, never go to anything else. But it was just getting too frustrating for me because I knew that friends of mine were making beads and half the time I was. So, so it was nice to bump up to the minor and had the heat so that I could do things a little quicker than I used to. A lot of people aren't aware of what goes into art beads. Mm-hmm. 
so it's hard to get your money back out of them. So oh, I tend to yeah. do simpler designs that I can then combine with semi-precious and silver and a lot of different beads, and it just becomes a part of my design. So mine tend to be beads that I can get done. The smaller beads that I put into bracelets and stuff, I can probably get a bead done in maybe 10 minutes. And my focals that I use that are larger still are probably not more than a half an hour at the very top. So, so that I can hopefully get paid back for the time and the, and the work and the effort that I put into it. But do you feel like you really, I think a lot of times people, especially when you go to an art fair or even at Convergence, you, know, you had people coming by, do you think people really understand no. what goes into what? No, they don't. They look at that little thing and think, that can't possibly cost <laughs> whatever. You know? right. But when you think about the time you put into pulling the stringers or getting your um, your your components ready for it and then making the bead and the different things that you use for it, the bead release that you put on your mandrels and the kiln and you know, there's a lot of expense in it that most bead makers, unless you're uh, really lucky and have gotten your name out there enough, most bead makers I don't think probably make back. It, w- it would be hard to make a living at it. Yeah. <laughs> unless well, it's your passion. How much like do you sell just beads separately? Yeah, I do. And I how s- much does it, like the bead you're making right now? The bead I'm making right now if um, would probably go, I would probably try and sell for $5. I okay. usually do five bead sets because that's usually what I use when I'm making a bracelet. In mm-hmm. fact, before I made these, when I was buying them, some people sell much larger sets, mm-hmm. and and I didn't need that many. I, you know, I, I wasn't making necklaces at that time, and, and um, all I needed was five or six beads so right. that I could make a bracelet or you know, bracelet and earrings. So I tend to sell my sets in five bead sets, and they usually at a show they'll go for twenty five dollars for a set. Okay. And I also sell there's there's a lot of lampwork bead artists that sell their beads on eBay, and I haven't done that because I didn't feel comfortable selling my beads when I was first doing it. And um, by the time I did, there were so many uh, bead artists on eBay that I that I didn't feel like I could compete. I mean, there are thousands, literally mm-hmm. thousands of auctions. And so I I sell, there's a, an all-bead website called Just Beads, and I sell my beads on that one because there aren't as many auctions and people can actually find my auctions <laughs> if yeah. they're just wandering through them. So right now I'm using the stringer that I pulled to um, put dots on the bead, and you can do a lot of different things with the dots. Um, if you leave them raised, some people like... Uh, they're basically called a uh, bumpy bead, and some people like the texture of them. Other people absolutely hate <laughs> to have the bumps out. So one of the things that you can decide as you're making the bead is whether you want to have a raised design or if you want to melt it in. It will give you two totally different looks. The raised ones, I think, tend to be maybe a little bit more funky, and uh, at least in my opinion, can be, and uh, more fun, playful, and then the, the ones that you melt in become a little, I don't know if you'd say it was serious, but you know, just a little bit different look. I've taken classes from um, a lot of really wonderful bead makers over the years. Probably the uh, Tom and Sage Holland, I just came back, I was in Arkansas, they're from Arkansas in the Ozarks, and they do a um, week one class, and you get to make beads for a week, and They've been around probably longer or as long as anybody in the modern bead making world, and they just are the best teachers. 
and they use stringer because then your dots are more uniform mm -hmm. instead of using, you can just put a dot on with a rod of glass, but if you use the stringer, and there are some artists, there's a woman that makes incredible beads, and she just rolls the end of her rod and makes it look like a, like a pencil. Okay. And dots them on that way. But I could never, <laughs> until somebody showed me the stringer thing, I wasn't getting dots real uh, exact, real yeah. consistent. So that is a bumpy bead. Yeah, and that took you, how long would you say? Probably about um, five, ten minutes maybe? Five, ten, I Yeah, about ten minutes, and, I think, when, it's, yeah. Yeah, when you started. Yep. So, and that's just the simplest. I mean, you could, the simplest is doing just a spacer where you right. just do one color. And of but, course, that's not done though either. And so we don't want to mislead people into thinking, oh, in 10 minutes, voila. Yeah, oh, done. I can put it into my bracelet. Yeah, no. Yeah, then it goes into the, then it has to be annealed and put into the kiln and run through a cycle so that it puts the glass properties back where they're supposed to be. Because you're, you're bending them all out of whack when you're melting the glass down and they're screaming at you. So then you put it into the kiln and um, it calms the glass back down and should make it durable enough that I've dropped beads on my, the floor of my studio is concrete and, and I have dropped beads after I pulled them out mm -hmm. and they don't break. I mean, it's glass, so they can break, but if it, it drops the, the right way, but it shouldn't. It should be then able to last for hundreds of years. Wow. Yeah. Because, I mean, there are beads, Tom Holland, um, who I was talking about a minute ago, he collects ancient beads and there are beads that are literally have been around for thousands of years wow you know? so when you think about making this little piece of art and and the possibility that it could be around you know for generations to come it's kind of a cool a cool concept you mentioned the gentleman who collects beads now mm -hmm. can you tell who made them no there are books on ancient beads you can tell probably the region that okay. they were made in but not necessarily the person because is there a way that you do you have a signature thing that you do? With yeah, actually, beads? I was going to show you. Like I said, I don't do real intricate beads. What I do do well is finding colors that blend well together. Okay. And so um, back when I was first making beads and I was having a hard time even making a round bead, sometimes when you are doing dots or something like that and it, and it goes awry, you come up with other things. I have, a, <laughs> I have a good friend who teaches bead making, Jen Geldard. You always have a, a bowl of water in case you need to put the hot glass in it. And there are people that, as they make a bead and it, it's not exactly the way they want it to be, they'll just plunge the whole bead into the water and it explodes and you're done with it and they start all over again. Jen says that you learn from those mistakes and sometimes the things that you come up with from those mistakes are much more beautiful and much better than the thing that you were thinking of to begin with, right, you know, the, the, right. the, the idea that you had to begin with. And that's how you grow. So the thing that, that I'm kind of known for, I call them mishmash beads. And I don't know that I'm that well-known. I'm not that, I'm not to the point where I'm a really well-known bead artist. But I uh, take, I start with a base bead in whatever color. And then I take, a warm up a rod at the end, dot it all over the bead. So I kind of became a mishmash because I, because I was mashing on different colors and kind of seeing what happened to them. Um, when I was first starting to make beads, there, you can grind up glass, and it's called frit. Okay. Um, and back three, four years ago when I first started, there weren't a lot of frits around. You made your own. You know, if you had uh, the ends of rods, you could crush them up, and, and it just makes it look different mm -hmm. because you can combine different colors that way. But nowadays, there are tons of frits out there. There are people that make frits, and, and there are some beautiful colors, but I never use them because... 
basically it's the same type of idea what I'm doing, mashing all the different colors on. I just haven't broken them all up into little pieces. I just kind of dab them all over the glass, melt it in, and um, you get some really cool effects. And it's a smoother look than the frets, which are just little dots that are on top of the Right, well, it sounds like it's also messier to work with, too. Well, it's is not it necessarily so messier, no. It's just, just dabbing, you're putting it down. Yeah, you, you, oh, okay. you take your hot bead in and you roll it. Oh, okay. Into okay. it. And then melt it. And then you melt it in. Or actually, you don't have to melt it in. I think it's called a sugar bead, where you can put frit on the top, kind of just get it in a little bit, oh, so it's and leave it texture. out so that you have the okay. texture, and it kind of looks, at Christmas time, a lot of times you'll see people that do beads, and they'll do like clear and white crushed glass, the frit, mm -hmm. and leave it on top, and it just kind of looks like a, those gumdrops okay. with the sugary thing on it. The other thing that has happened to me is when it was on the hothead, my bees were much smaller. They were just tiny. And we have a, it's called the International Society of Glass Bead Makers, and ISGB for short. And we have a convention every year, kind of like Convergence, mm -hmm. only it's called The Gathering. <laughs> <laughs> and the first year I went to The Gathering, I've gone, it's my fourth year, I guess. So when I first went to The Gathering, I had these little beads and I was so proud. And I was making bracelets and earrings and stuff, but I hadn't really gotten into necklaces yet. And so I uh, had my, my little big bead um, <laughs> strung on a silver chain, and I went thinking, I am so cool, this bead is so neat. And I got there, and I had no idea that there were such large beads in the world. You know, they were just huge. And, of course, because everybody is there, because they make beads, you want to have stuff that shows up. Right, so, you right. know, there were these really incredible pieces. And I thought, oh, my gosh. <laughs> You mean my beads aren't big? <laughs> and so I came home, and when I switched to the miner, my beads have become bigger, partly because it's easier to melt the glass, and, it, and it, um, it doesn't take as long. And I think that's probably one of the reasons that my beads were smaller. The other reason was I just had no clue you could melt that much glass onto a mandrel. What is the limit? Is there a limit? There really isn't a limit. There are people that make um, beads that are probably, oh, three or four inches long, and uh, I mean, they're very large. You can do very large beads. Now, you're going to be able to do this, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want to try it for sure. And not that. I'm going to be able to make a little mess on the mandrel. Well, basically. that's what mine looked like. I, I'm sure they're around here somewhere, but I I think I've hidden them pretty well. <laughs> well, it just seems like, yeah, you're making this look extremely easy. Yeah, well, and, you know, I, I've been doing it for a while. There are other people that make it look even easier <laughs> that have been doing it much longer than I have. So now I'm melting all of the glass in and the foil and trying to keep the shape round. How and hard is it to keep the shape round? Is that one of the hardest parts when you first start out? Yeah. Yeah. And getting the glass actually on the mandrel so that it will be round. Lamborghini was a... You passed it from one person to... Your, like in your family? Or well, in your family or, or apprentice. Thank you. Yeah, okay. like an apprentice type thing. And nobody else knew how you did it. So only when it came to America, and it's been probably about 20 years, have people started to share how it happens nice. and how you do it. And so a lot of the, the tools and the, the things that they use are, are things that they looked around their garage or their house right. and found something that would work with glass. I was telling you yesterday about the barbecue masher or barbecue tongs. That's based on this is called a barbecue masher. Okay. Yeah, you know, that's what it's called. So 
And the tool uh, Tom and Sage use the most that, that they taught me to use is a knife. Just a Which stainless is, steel kitchen knife. Yeah. You know, so, so what do you what do you use that for? When I'm making a bead, if it's not quite on center, I can push the glass a little bit. Okay, with the knife. So I'll make another one and show you what I mean. And so how much glass do you have on hand? Not enough. Really? <laughs> not, there's never enough glass. <laughs> I, um, it's like asking a knitter how much yarn. Yeah, exactly. Do you make square beads? Um, so you can, yeah. That, seems like that would be kind of tricky. Yeah, actually there are a lot of, a lot of, they're called bead presses, have come out in the last couple of years. And I've got a few of them. I don't tend to use them a lot because I get frustrated. I, you have to have just the right amount of glass oh, to do it. Oh, okay. And uh, so I've got some, and I play around with them every once in a while. And sometimes there's the uh, three-strike rule in bead making. It's if you uh, try and make the bead three times, then you stop. If you don't get a good bead, you just stop. Because some days you, got, you have the mojo, and sometimes you don't. So instead of wasting glass in your time, if you're having a bad bead day, you just walk away. So Is sometimes, that hard to do? Yeah, because you think, darn it, I did it yesterday. <laughs> Why can't I do it today? But um, so that's what happens with me in the bead presses. Sometimes I'm I'm right on and I have just the right amount of glass to put in it and right. press it. And other days I can't get the right amount of glass to save my soul. Now, how would you say that getting into the lamp work and making beads has changed your life? That's completely changed my life. Um, I've met the most wonderful people, and I have found a passion. I found that I found what I'm good at. I, uh, I was an at-home mom, which I loved, and I still love. I'm still at home, and I do all of this out of my home. But I never really felt like I figured out what it was I wanted to do, mm-hmm. you know, what, what I was good at. And I was okay with different things, but it's changed my it, – it's given me a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. It's put me into a whole different world that I would never have been in otherwise. And the Internet has been such a major part of that because there are a couple of forums online – one in particular, Wet Canvas, is where I met a lot of my friends. And we wouldn't have known that there were other lamp workers out there, you mm-hmm. know, before a few years ago. So it has made my life richer. Yeah. You know, and I've found an outlet. A lot of my friends have TVs or, or stereos out in their studios when they're making beads. And I, partly because when I started on the hothead, it was so loud that I really, I would you have had to play the music. Right. Well, I'd have had the music <laughs> up so loud, I'd have had a headache. But also partly, it's just kind of my time to be with me. You know, I don't have to be mom, and I don't have to be wife, and I don't have to be daughter, and, you know, I don't have to be all those other things. I'm just out here creating, mm-hmm. you know, and it just I think it just makes me a, a better-rounded person. Right. Well, I think everybody needs their time to yeah. just, you know, be at peace with themselves, you yeah. know. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's 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 been a wonderful journey, and that's what it kind of feels like it is. Well, you just look so happy. <laughs> so it's I can tell that you really love this. Well, and it's 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 not like some things. I, I think there are some some things out there where you get to a point and and you know how to do it, and there's not much of a challenge to it. This there are always working with glass. There are always new things to learn <laughs> and uh, new techniques to figure out. And so it's always kind of a challenge. So you can come out here and um, if you're having a day when you don't want to be challenged, you can sit there and just make your little beads and, and be happy. But you can also come out and challenge yourself to do something different mm-hmm. and to kind of push the envelope. And I do that with the jewelry too sometimes. 
I actually, I don't remember my dreams very often. Very, very rarely do I. But I, since I've been doing jewelry making and the beads, I've actually had some dreams of a finished piece in okay. my head. And I wake up and I can go and make it. Wow. Yeah, which is... Did you keep those pieces, the ones that you dreamed? Because yeah, there's be special. Yeah, yeah, there are some pieces that I keep. And um, particularly back when I was first making jewelry, I couldn't part with anything. I'm to the point now where I know, <laughs> I yeah. know, I know I can make it again if I want to, or I'll make something that I like even more. Right. So I just keep keep creating. Um, I'm into a couple of galleries now, and that's going to keep me on my toes because my jewelry is selling well, and so I just I have to. Uh, I have to start making more than I usually do. Because usually I, I make something when I think of it. You know, okay. I don't just sit down and, and think, say, okay, okay, I've got to make six make... bracelets. Now. Right. You know, it's like, oh, I just made these beads and this will be really cool. Or I think of a color time and I got a new, I got a new shirt. Or I get it, you know, oh, I get so something. I've got to make something. Yeah, to make something. yeah oh, I'm, I am very well known for having to have everything coordinated. It's a disease of mine that uh, I can't seem to get out of now that I, now that I make everything myself, <laughs> I can't walk out of the house without being coordinated. <laughs> right, right. So, but, um, did you used to wear a lot of jewelry before? No, I did not. No, until Sue, um, my friend Sue Keener was the one that came home with a memory wire bracelet. And, um, before that I had, I had metal allergies, so I couldn't really wear a lot of stuff. Oh, in my okay. ears, I couldn't wear earrings very much unless it was gold. And uh, so I didn't really, you know, I wore, I had a necklace or two, but not a big deal um, until that darn bracelet. And that just really kind of set the, or started the wheels turning in my head and, and uh, realizing that I could make a piece of jewelry and that I really liked it, you know, and I had fun making it and it also looked good, really kind of spurred me on to figure out how to make other things to make the earring snap. So then, of course, I had a bracelet and an earring that matched. So, are you ready to try? Yeah, to I'm going to try it. I'm going to try not to burn myself or anything okay, else. I'm going to put an apron on you too. Okay. <laughs> so that yeah, the glass pops, and I'm also going to turn the torch down a little bit. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. So that <laughs> I learned that with my daughter when I, because uh, my Brenna, my 12 year old, makes beads now, and uh, and when I was teaching her how to first make beads. I realized that it would probably be a lot easier to just turn it down so that it wasn't quite as hot. Now, check glass, I'm going to take that away because it melts at a different temperature and it's it's harder to melt. So okay. I'm going to give you something a little bit easier. I mean, just give you the black, I think. Okay. Um, there are different, there's transparent glass and there is, oh, and you need your glasses. Hold up. You need your own glasses. And you're going to see a huge difference now when you put these glasses on because it's going to take out all the bushiness of the plane. Okay. So and you're not going to see as much as you did. So will I think that I, will I get closer than I should then? Um, no. Oh, no, because you still see the you plane. Still, okay. No, you can still see the plane. So what you're going to do when you first make a, uh, when you first put your glass in, you need to point it away from you and push it away. Push it and through. you're kind of, you're introducing the glass in so that it doesn't shock. Because if you if you hold it in, it's if you gonna, put it in, yeah, if you put it in too fast, sometimes the glass will shock and shatter. Okay, I cleaned up my <laughs> I cleaned up my place so that you don't see all the glass that I pop around here. Okay, so like that, just kind of yep. poking it through. Yep, and away from you because then if the glass does pop, it's going to go that way, that way instead okay. of at you. So once you see a little bit of glow on the tip like yeah, that, see that, that means you're okay. So you can put the right in and stop doing that. Okay, what you're going to do now is grab a mandrel. I was at, I was like panicking, I'm like, what's a mandrel? Like, oh my gosh. 
this fire. What's you're going gonna, on? Yep, you're gonna you're gonna get that rod nice and high okay. on the end, and not yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> too fast, too fast. You're going to. Uh, you also need to make sure that the bead release is heated. So you need okay. to put that in. It's kind of like rubbing your head and patting your tummy. Yeah. Or patting your head and rubbing your tummy. You're gonna get it in. I'm actually gonna help you the first time. Okay. Lay it on. You're gonna turn it on, and then you're gonna turn the rod or the mandrel away from you. Just keep rolling. And just keep rolling. And when I was first making beads, I thought I had to spin the, the mandrel really fast. Yeah, that's and what I'm trying to do. Yeah, and you don't have to. And that's why I'm, I'm kind You're of kind of slowing me feel. down. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we're going to just put the base bead on you. It's called a footprint sometimes. And you need to keep the mandrel as straight as you can okay. because the glass is going to follow so like over like this? gravity. Yeah. Okay. And so I think the hard part probably is getting a feel for... What is comfortable with me? Yes. I, should I be resting my... Um, it, it helps. Uh, gives you a little yeah, bit I of... I see that I have an awkward shape here. Yep, so you've got a wonky going at I have a very... <laughs> How do I correct that? Can I correct you that? You can correct it. Um, usually, probably the best thing to do is just to add some more glass. Oh, and I, I'm supposed to have that in the whole time, right? Well, you don't have to, but you, you want to kind of keep it warm. And remember, the straighter you keep your mandrel, the, the bead's not going to go wonky on you as quickly. And glass naturally wants to be round for some reason. So if you keep rotating it, don't get too close to the cones. You have to be farther out. There you go. Glass naturally wants to be round. So if you keep turning it, it will consistent, you know, and, and do it um, with a rhythm so that it just stays the same. Then you, you should eventually have a round bead. So you can pull the glass out of the heat. And again, glass, use gravity as your friend. And where it's too tall, or where it's heavier on one side, you can sometimes just put oh, it up okay. and it'll drop down. Let's try that again. Get it good and heated. And then, and this is also a place where you can use the knife <laughs> yeah, for something kind of... to help shape it. But you don't have to have that bead in the flame the entire time. You can pull it out when you start to feel like it's going away, getting away from you. Okay. And that'll immediately slow it down because it doesn't have the heat. So you're still a little wonky. You want to put it back in. You don't want to keep it out too long. Like how, do you, how long can you really keep it out? Was that too long? No. no. It didn't crack, did it? <laughs> oh, that's how you know it's too long. <laughs> you know it's too long when it cracks. Sometimes you don't know until then. You want to make sure that, uh, that you just keep introducing it every once You always in a while. have to be turning away from... Yep. You know, pull it back out again. And, and straighten it back up. There you go. Reach over even. Some more out. We're gonna warm up the rod. Pull it out, and it's still again closer to a round bead. How long did it take you to be able to do round beads? Oh, a while. I, you know, I don't remember much anymore exactly how long, but it took me, it took me quite a while to get a really decent bead. Probably a couple of weeks. But I was learning a lot. Of, I had this class, and I learned some of the basics, but. A lot of it I learned on my own, and so the the forums, Wet Canvas, and there's Lampwork, etc. is another one, and the ISGB. I'll have forums where you can research and do a lot of learn a lot just by reading. Right, and, and it so, sounds like just spending time. Yep. doing this is going to be yes. Well, that seems kind of round. Yeah, you're getting there. You're getting there now. You probably want to make it a little bit bigger. That's right. probably huge compared to what my little bees were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I was first on my hot head. So pull the bead back out. Okay. Warm up your rod because you don't want the bead to get too hot. If the, you, if the rod is kind of just losing its glow, it's it's a little firmer. 
and it's easier to put the glass on without changing the shape of your bead. So pull the bead back out okay. or back behind. You can have it behind, behind and still get radiant heat from it. Okay. And get it cool down before you start putting it in. And then you can let you do it. And how much should you put on at a time? It depends. I have a friend who globs, gets the end of her rod all gloppy and puts the whole thing on and, and gets the whole base down in one fell swoop. I tend to Gradually. do it a little bit at a time. You need to make sure that you don't get that glass into the cones. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> yeah. You do. It's natural. What would happen? Uh, just um, so you could scare me away from doing that. Uh, you would ruin my torch oh because my the God. glass would get okay. into the, yeah, I the cone or into the that. metal. And this is a, what, how much is this equipment worth that I'm... <laughs> oh, the, the, the miner is not that expensive. It's, I think, probably around $100, but then you have to buy the yeah, I don't all wanna, the other stuff. Yeah. I don't want to break it. I don't want to break it. Yeah. See, so, you now you're starting to get, remember to keep turning your bead. Okay, yeah. Okay, so yeah, it is, is like it, the, it is like, tummy head thing, yeah, it yeah. is. Now, is it okay to put it more on right uh -huh. there? Sure. It's it feels really, like it gets sticky. It does. And that's, that's supposed to happen. Yeah, you don't, actually, you want it to float, yeah, it pull it farther out of the flame and then you won't, it won't be quite as hot. Yeah, the, when it gets sticky, that's when you need to get it heated up a little bit more. Okay. Because you'll pull the bead and break the bead release. And um, then you're kind of screwed because when the bead release breaks, you get these really nice plant, yeah. plant sticks, <laughs> decorations, because if the glass gets stuck to the mandrel without the bead release, you're going to use a hammer to get the glass off. Well, it sounds like, I mean, I have a great deal of respect for all you folks that are accomplished at this because it, you can tell, I mean, I can just feel right now that this takes a lot of time mm -hmm. to and for practicing. Yep. Now, it's getting away from you, so take it out of the heat. Okay. Keep it straight. And kind of put the part that's uh, larger at the top and let gravity help it. And it's even having done it for the, whatever, four years or so that I've been doing it, I still feel like a newbie, you know, and I go to the gathering and I see some of the things that people do. I am way far from being accomplished at it. Would it be bigger than that? No, you're fine. No. Okay. Why don't you leave that, get it rounded up, and then if you want to, you can like put some dots on. Or you can just leave it and get you a piece of string Okay. So don't superheat it. Once you've got the shape, you don't want to, you don't have to superheat it. Okay. You just want to kind of keep it warm while you're going to do your other decorations to it. So you can kind of keep it out of the heat and then just bring it back in to warm it up a little bit every okay. once in a while. And keeping it at the back like that of the flame okay. when you're doing the decorations is I a good to thing. This up. Mm -hmm. Just a little bit because it's not like the rod, it's just a small piece of glass. And then you just you can it Yep, but you have to make it hot enough. Get it glowy. There you go. There you go. And then turn it. You kind of get a rhythm doing dots like that. you kind of put <laughs> Mine's it like, that's okay like you're spike. gonna but you'll melt it in in a minute i see you get kind of uh-huh and then when you have all the dots you want you make sure uh, you put the whole bay bead back in because even though it's getting the heat that kind of looks <laughs> you know there's a trick that tom and sage taught me that to get it off that you can flick it off if you don't get it melted into it just it's melted into oh, it okay. yeah. but all right maybe what i'll do is just go put more. the whole bead in the heat again okay round it go bring it all the way around so that all those little pieces get some heat great okay. and this is where you you just screwed up what you really wanted to do yeah, but I you did. just make something different well, that's how no. mishmash came about <laughs> yeah. I was, oh man that does not where i want it to be so what can i do different so i'll just put it 
few more on there. Look, make it look like that was kind of going in a row. Uh huh. But you're doing great. You know, bring the whole bee back in again every once in a while just to make sure that just kind of do a round of it. Get one over bit. here. Whoa, I kind of. There you go. Oh, you're fine, except for that one. You're, they look great. Now you need to put some on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> just look at them. Like, I kind of look a little off balance. Yeah. You need to have three rows. Oh, I just, uh-oh, look what I did. I melted them off. Oh, that's okay. You know what? They, they'll become part of the design, so you'll melt them all in. Instead of it being a bumpy bead, then maybe it's going to be a dotted bead. It's funny. Remember I was saying that you could do one or the other and you put the dots on and right, leave them right. up or and you now, can melt but, them but you can't change your mind after you melt them. <laughs> well, if it's really melted in, no, you can't. You could probably yeah. add more dots on if you want on okay, top of Okay, I think those. I have enough dots. Okay, so now. now put it back in and you're going to melt them all in. And I just keep going until they... Mm -hmm. And roll it away for me. So okay. to get into a rhythm and a habit of doing it the same way all the time. And probably up a little ways out of the... There you go away from the hottest part because the hottest part of the flame is about the first inch or so okay on top of the cones and so if you keep it farther up then you're going to have a little more control of it okay now it's super heated now take it out and keep rotating it until it cools off a little bit keep it straight and then put it back in to get the others melted in that's a very interesting look <laughs> <laughs> oh that looks so much better than my first bead you got a dimple You've got at least one dimple. I don't know if you've got a dimple on the other side, but you've got one at least. So do I still need to keep going? Yep, I think you yeah. need a little bit more. I, don't think... I can see where this would be very addictive. Mm-hmm. Is it harder with a hot head? No. No. No, it's louder because um, for whatever reason, it, it just is a louder torch. So it's it's this one's quiet. That one is loud. Um, but it's actually a good one to learn on because, I think, because... It's cooler, so you, you're you not working cooler. with as much heat. No, this one's hotter. Oh, this one's hotter. I've got to turn down so okay. it's not as hot. But the hot head, I'm not sure what it, the difference in temperature is, but I know that it's not quite as hot. So you can, have a, as you're learning, have a little bit more control. And I it's see. a lot less expensive. Other people say if you're bitten by the bug, you should just get the miner to begin with because if you learn on it, you'll be fine. I think the portability would be fun. Yeah. Of course, like I said, you know, it's kind of crazy to pull up in a parking lot somewhere and just start making bees. Yeah, I don't know that you would do that. And that's why well, I, I actually probably would. I'm well, that way. Good. You can do but it. I, yeah, but I have, when I was on the hothead, I was able to, it looks like you're getting pretty close to being, you think it's done? It's done. Okay, so what do I do now? Just now we're going to put it in here, and I'm actually going to do it for you. So you have to kind of get in there and get back out pretty fast before you, um, the temperature goes down too far because if, you, if the kiln goes down too cool. Oh, wow, it goes down. Also, yeah, it goes really fast because you're opening it up to the 70 degree oh, temperature. Yeah. So it doesn't take very long. Oh, wow. Well, that was really fun. That was cool. Yeah. That was cool. cool. Thank you so much for letting me give that a try. Anytime. Yeah, you're welcome to come back and I'll actually run you through it again. You mentioned that your mom, and what was your mom's name? Donna. Donna, that she had died seven years ago, and you got into this about six years ago. Yeah. So it was kind of after going it through was, that. Yeah. Did that help you kind of get through? You know, I don't know. My mom was very artistic. Yeah. And um, and she um, she actually had Parkinson's disease. Was diagnosed when oh. she was forty, when I was ten. And wow. So she lived with it for almost over thirty years. Wow. Before she died. 
And so she wasn't able to do any of that mm-hmm. for a lot of years. You know, I hadn't thought about that. It, it's kind of an interesting concept. I don't know. Maybe that some of my mom is coming through me well, through yeah, the art that I'm doing. And it just seems, I know for myself, some of the challenges that we go through, and we all have, mm-hmm. as you go down the road of life, there's always something yep. that it seems like a massive roadblock or it's just horrible mm-hmm. to go through. And I mean, obviously when we lose people close to us, it's really hard. And yes. sometimes I think if you have an outlet, Mm-hmm. And a way to, you know, kind of do something creative and connect with almost the subconscious. Because mm-hmm. when you're out there by yourself, you have the fan going. Yep. You kind of, And even and I noticed, even though you were talking to me, there were times when you were really focused on what you were doing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it kind of gives you that, you know, where you're kind of at your core of whatever you yeah. are all about. You know, yeah. that's kind of coming through. Yeah. So. And it very well could be. I never really put the two together, but it did happen shortly after... Shortly after mom died. Yeah. And I've, I think about her often when I'm doing this yeah. because I know that she would have really enjoyed that. Yeah. What do you think she'd think about oh, this Oh, she stuff? would be wearing, she'd be coordinated too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did she, she wear a lot so, of jewelry? No, she didn't wear a lot of jewelry, but she was, she'd she wear was this so jewelry. supportive. She would have worn anything that yeah. her daughter made. Yeah. You know? And so I think that me finding art, and she wouldn't have known, you know, when she was alive, right. I wasn't really doing anything. So I think she would have really been proud of me. I think yeah. it would have been really a cool thing for her to watch me progressing. Yeah. 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 Well, it's wonderful you're passing this on to your daughter already. I know. It's You've so cool. You've got her hooked on this and, uh, yeah. you know, and that's something that, does she show an interest in maybe pursuing this as a... I don't know. We'll see. I mean, she's, she she has a wide variety of, of interests, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see where she lands yeah. in which part, because she's very athletic, too. She's, she's very right and left brain. Yeah. She works out in the garage with my husband on things, and then she'll come in and draw some. Oh, that's great. She'll things. be a self-sufficient woman. She. Oh, God, yes. Do you have any advice um, for people that want to get into this? Taking a class worked really well for mm-hmm. me. Then you uh, don't have to buy the torch. And, exactly. You know. And there's actually um, BeadQuest um, on 29th Street. They have torches set up. They have Hotheads okay. uh, Studio, and they're okay. going to be teaching classes through that. And I think they also do torch time where you can just... Come in and rent some things. Yeah, rent the torch oh, for yeah. a half an hour or an hour. It really helped. Um, one of the things that I really liked about the first class I took, it was a, two Sundays. And the first Sunday, we kind of learned some basics. We were able then to take those hothead home for the week. Oh. And by the end of that week, I knew that I was hooked. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it can be kind of expensive to get everything and then not do it. Mm-hmm. So so it wouldn't, I, I think my advice would be to, to go find someplace where you can torch for a little while and see whether it really is something that you're interested mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And then go ahead and get all the equipment. Yeah, why? Well, that sounds why. So you're not <laughs> feeling guilty when exactly. you like find out. Well, this maybe yeah. isn't my thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it sounds like you have no regrets about not a jumping single. In. No, absolutely not. Yeah, it was the best thing I ever did. Yeah, well, well one of the best things. What's I ever the did. best part about it? Would you say? I think finding out that I'm good at something, mm-hmm. that that I'm really good at something, and that people connect with it, mm-hmm. and that from all different areas, when people see my jewelry or particularly on my jewelry. My beads are in my jewelry, but right. the, the jewelry in particular, I always get comments on it, mm-hmm. and, they, and they always like it. And it's just been such an, a boost to my self-esteem. Yeah, you, know, yeah, you that, feel good. That I feel good about myself, and I think that probably definitely comes out in other ways, too. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, yeah, and I think moms, sometimes when we become moms, and a lot of women forget about themselves, yeah, yeah. you know. And, and I've been very lucky to be able to, to find... Beads and jewelry, at a point where my kids were older, old right. enough that I was able to actually spend the time right. enjoying right. what I liked to do. So it's been a real gift to be able to be home, 
and be able to have be a mom, but right. also to be able to have the other side, my artistic side and my business side, which, which has been a real learning experience. Well, congratulations and thanks for the tutorial today. I really thanks, appreciate Jennifer. that. I had fun, and I didn't burn anything. You down. didn't burn a darn thing. I mean, <laughs> didn't even, I almost? I mean, if I would have came a little closer, I could have ruined the torch. You could have. You, you were getting close you to were, that. You were, you were um, nervous, but still very, very encouraging. <laughs> Good. That's so, what a teacher's yeah. supposed yeah, to do. Right? Yeah. So thank you so much. I really appreciate that. You bet. Today. Thanks, Jennifer. Thanks to Nancy for telling us her story and hopefully inspiring some of you at home to give lamp work a try. There are a lot of stores around that have kind of sprung up that allow you to use a torch in their studio under the watchful eye of people who know what, they do, what they're doing, which I highly recommend. Because while this didn't strike me as an overly dangerous art form, it is one that you really have to pay attention. Obviously, there is fire involved. So uh, anyway, I, it's, it's really fun. I think that once my kids get a little bit older... I can see myself wanting to make more beads. And I will post pictures of Nancy working, and I don't have any pictures of me working to prove that I really did this. But I guess if you guys don't believe me, then um, <laughs> that the whole thing was staged in a sound studio somewhere, um, I'm sure you believe me. I will post links, as usual, to her website and some other glass bead websites. So check those out. Oh, I do need to thank Annalise in Florida for supporting Craft Sanity with the purchase of some Craft Sanity gear, which is available on the website. There we go with a shameless plug. <laughs> thank you so much. And keep that email coming. If you have questions or suggestions, I'm always open to hearing those. You know, I have some really great ideas about what I'd like to do if I had a little more time to do it. So I'm uh, taking some steps to see what I can do about getting myself a little more time to dedicate to this podcast and making the web presence a little bit better. So cross your fingers for me that I can make all that work because boy, I am very excited about talking about art and craft and creativity and just the connection that I'm able to have with all of you at home. It's wonderful. I think that's it for this week. So you guys have a great, safe and enjoyable week. I'm going to try to stay warm here in Michigan. We actually got snow on October 12th. It doesn't seem right that it would be snowing now, but it is, and we will cope as Michiganders do. But this is perfect crafting weather. Of course, I think everything is perfect crafting weather. In fact, I was in a huge craft store not long ago when there was a tornado sighted in the area. A voice comes over the PA instructing all of us to move to the back of the store, or if we wanted to risk it, we could leave, but they didn't advise it. You know, at first I had this like little flash of like, oh, crap, that wouldn't be cool if a tornado hit. So I thought, well, you know, the best place to probably go is actually the yarn aisle because, you know, things flying at you wouldn't be as bad, which is totally stupid because if a tornado hit the building full blast, being in the yarn aisle would be the least of my worries, right? I wasn't the only art enthusiast that was thinking, can't leave now, just wouldn't be safe. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people just, when the tornado warning came over, people were just kind of like, putting their hands up like, well, okay, if I must stay, I must stay, you know. <laughs> and I was thinking, geez, you know, if, if we really had to stay in there a long time, you know, look at all the things we could kind of open, maybe try out. Maybe they'd let us test a few things out if we were had to stay there for hours just to keep the people calm, let them <laughs> do some crafts. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to try to recharge my batteries. I'm very excited this weekend. Drew Imborski, the crochet dude, is going to be in West Michigan this weekend. So I have tentative plans with him to go and uh, to meet him at a coffee shop with, uh, I'm sure he has some other fans that are going to show up. I interviewed Drew for a previous episode of Craft Sanity. 
He is the most famous crocheter that I know. And so if you are interested in finding out more about who Drew is, I invite you to take a look at episode 15. It tells the story of Drew and how it came, he came to basically find himself living quite a fabulous, crafty life because he crochets for a living. And he's quite an accomplished pattern designer. And he's got a book coming out and his patterns are all over. And he's actually in town in the West Michigan to shoot some photos for his next batch of patterns. So that's pretty exciting. And yeah, it's going to be fun to meet him. So remember, no matter what, Craft Sanity, my friends, it sure does work for me. Thanks for listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast with Jennifer Ackerman Haywood. Visit CraftSanity.com for more information about today's guest and links to subscribing to the podcast. Want to support the show? Follow the link to vote for Craft Sanity on Podcast Alley once a month. You can also make a donation or buy goods at the Craft Sanity store. Have a suggestion for a future guest or have other feedback? Email Jennifer at CraftSanity.com. Thanks again for listening to Craft Sanity.